Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Text verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. If we get some time tonight, we'll end, uh, we'll go even past that, but I don't, I don't think we'll, we'll have time to, to do that. But tonight we're going to focus on this passage of submitting to one another, of family, and that sort of thing. I love talking about the family. If you want to fully understand a story... Where's the best place to start? At the beginning. Growing up, I, I didn't realize my family had this habit, but, you know, we had, um, I remember the days where you had a VCR and you could record, like, the, the shows that were coming on TV. We liked to record a whole bunch of stuff, but we just didn't really follow TV guide. so when something was on, we popped a tape in and hit record. It wasn't until I met my wife as a teenager that, every, yeah, we'd say, oh, I got that movie, let's go home and watch it. And we'd watch one movie, then we'd watch another, and she began to tell me, she said, do all your movies miss the first 15 minutes? <laughs> ah, you know what happens, you'll figure it out. She looked at me, she said, no, you have to watch it from the beginning. Now, I'm not going to have a show of hands tonight, but there's some of us that have to watch it from the beginning. Others just kind of figure it out. And watch. But I didn't realize, I thought everybody did that. I didn't realize, how many know that you think your family's normal until you start meeting other people? <laughs> Don't say amen too loud. But if you, have to, if you want to fully understand a story, you got to start at the beginning. When you're training someone, how many ever trained anybody, maybe at work or worked with one of the kids? Okay, you usually have a starting point, right, especially if you're a good trainer. When you try to put something together, you look through the instructions and you look for step one, start here, something like that, right? Or if you don't like to read, you simply look at the picture of the final product on the box. How many of those people we got tonight? It's okay, you can raise your hand. The problem is that you always have a few pieces left over, right? Let me tell you why. Because there are some things that cannot be seen by the outside picture because they're positioned on the inside of the product. These items are crucial because they oftentimes are the very thing that strengthens what was assembled. When you read Genesis, we see that God instituted family before he made a government before he made an academic institution, before he even made First Assembly of God of Garden of Eden. It was the family. The family always has been and always will be the backbone of society, the backbone of mankind. That's why God made it that way. It's the way God designed us. We crave family, amen? We love our family. When ours is dysfunctional, what do we do? We reach out and form our own family. That's oftentimes how street gangs that were, were that's, first illustration of the night street gangs that's where i was brought up but that that's 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 typically what happens in fact did you know that the sunday school movement as we know churches used you know the sunday school movement before sunday sunday morning happened way back in the 1800s when the, the, the guy's name escapes me but it started because there was a group of boys that were causing trouble on the block so he brought them to church before church started to occupy their time and what eventually became known as sunday school 
It's just human nature. In fact, if we can't reach out and, and find other people, we'll do our pets. How many ever seen one of those little bumper stickers? Or maybe you have one. My kids have four legs and that kind of thing. With the paw prints, not like actual legs, but you know what I'm talking about. Or I'm a furry grandma or just, you don't know how to interpret some of those, do you? <laughs> like, you know, that can really get you uh, wondering. But, but what I'm saying is we make family out of whatever we got. Some of us will have many, maybe one dog or cat, <laughs> maybe more than one dog or cat. I, there are healthy limits, I don't know. But I've known people that name their house plants and take care and they sing. I had an aunt who would sing to their, her house plants. You might think that was weird, but her house plants were strong and grew. But she would sing to them. She, she, that, that was, you know, like her, I mean, I don't think I need to drive that point any. We crave family, don't we? We just do. What's that inside of us? You know, even you know, if we're not able to have children, we'll, we'll, we'll foster, we'll adopt, or we'll work in a Royal Ranger program or a girls' ministry program or a big brother or a big sister program. We, there's something genetically in us. It's called family. God put it there. God put it there. What is family? A family is this. It's basically a safe community of those you love and those that love you back. Family should be safe. The problem is that sometimes we try to form our family by simply looking at the box. That we have, then we have many parts left over, and after a few years, things may fall apart. I've learned this the hard way. We can invest in a very expensive item that is supposed to last many years, but it can fall apart after a short while because it just wasn't put together properly. It just wasn't. You can invest in the upper grade, the premium grade, because there's three, time, three types of shoppers. There's the automatically go to the cheapest price point, the bargain basement, good, whatever the case may be. Others are kind of in the middle. They won't pay the bottom market, but they'll go one up and feeling good. There's other people that just are premium, top shelf, everything, name brand, everything, premium, even use premium gas, maybe not these days, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, my dad was one of those guys with his cars. He had to have, you know, time I borrowed the car, and I son, make sure you put premium in it. I don't want none of that cheap, unleaded, uh, regular. That was back in the days were affordable. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. Some people are just that way. And that's okay. Not, I'm not going to go any further than that. But you can be in one of those categories. But the problem is usually not when something falls apart, it's because it wasn't put together correctly. It wasn't, it wasn't connected correctly. Paul writes the same, past, the same message that we just read in Colossians chapter 3. It goes in the exact same orders. And it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. So in this passage, we receive instructions for a healthy, godly marriage slash family is what we receive right here. So we're going to look at this tonight because this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Many of us have probably read this, heard this, done, maybe went on retreats, maybe even had a life group on it. So I don't want to just real quick say, wives submit, husbands love, close the book, let's go home. The stream's not even open tonight, so i got to go to 8.15, don't I? But I, f- I feel like if we can kind of really dig into this, I believe it's going to help some people. I, matter of fact, I know it will because the Bible says the word of God will not return void. I, I encourage you, there is no principle found in Scripture that is useless to your life. But it will never be useful to your life until you apply it with faith. That's Hebrews. You have to apply it with faith. And so tonight we're going to talk about the family. So what are these instructions for a healthy, godly marriage 
and then eventually in a relationship. Because, see, it's one thing to talk about being filled with the Spirit. Pastor Eddie was talking last week about how, how it's related to don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit and how to walk in the Spirit. And we shout and untie my bow tie who stole my Honda and all that stuff. Man, we just have it in here. But then we go to the restaurant, we're embarrassingly rude to the waitress. Sometimes we don't even leave the church building and someone gets our parking spot. And we let them know that. I don't need to illustrate that any further. You're the Wednesday night people. You guys are the hardcore, God-loving people I know. But that's the truth of the matter. So we're going to turn a corner and apply this spirit-filled, walking in love, walking in light to our family. Now, I find a few things interested here. So if you go to verse 21, this is powerful, where it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. One thing I like to do when I study the word of God is I like to study the original language and, and study that passage. When you go to verse uh, what Paul is saying is he's trying to make a point. So he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then he goes right into the next thought, wives, submit to your own husband. This verse, is, especially if you're a married church couple, Christian couple, this verse and these couple verses probably get a bad rap in arguments. I'm just going to say it. Wives, you better submit. Husbands, you better love. And then there we go. And we just, we just bump heads on it. That is the most incorrect use of this passage, and hopefully we can dig into it tonight, and that will shed some light. If you look at verse 22 where it says, wives, submit to your own husbands, that word submit does not exist in the original Greek. There is no Greek word meaning to submit. There's no Greek word. Now, when you say submitting one to another, that is a summed up into one word. So when Paul is saying, okay, how do I relate this? Because I can't just make up a word that doesn't exist. So I want you to submit to one another. He uses an analogy as Christ is the head of the church. He sets the tone right there. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another, brother, sister, and wives, and husbands, and he goes on and goes on. So let's not get hung up on that first little sentence there. There's a lot more to this passage. There's a few things I find interesting. If you count the verses... He only gives two verses to the wives and eight to the husbands. It's okay to laugh at that. I found that hilarious. He tells the wives two little verses that really kind of like one big verse, honestly. And then he gives eight verses to the husbands. And then he gives three verses to the children. And then another three verses to the fathers slash business relationships later on. I find that very fascinating. So as we're talking about making instructions, the first thing we look for is first things first. First things first. In John chapter 13, Jesus said that they'll know you're my disciples from the how much Bible you quote. If you got an ROL bumper sticker, River Ready. If you attend Wednesday night faithfully. If you give big offering. He said they will know you're my disciple from your love for one another. Why do we not celebrate that more? Why do we not emphasize that more? It should be a better word. Why do we not emphasize that more? How we treat and love one another. When Christ comes into your life, when you become born again, you are born of the Spirit. We are given a supernatural ability to just love everybody, to love them in the, the name of the Lord. We should have that more in our lives. So before we get started, we're going to actually go to the end of this passage in verse 30. If you have your Bibles open, like I said, we're just going to stay here, so leave them open. 
Verse 30 says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So before we get into the wives do this, and husbands do this, and children do that, let's not miss the bigger picture when Jesus, when Paul is saying right here, this isn't about dividing, this is about coming together as one in Christ. As one in Christ. This message and thought should transcend this entire portion of, of Scripture. This, this first begins with love one another, submit to one another. We'll talk more about that later on, but I, I want to just kind of lay a foundation. Listen, let me just tell you something. If Christ is the center of our life, we just sang about it tonight. Christ be magnified as long as nobody gets my parking place. Christ be magnified in me. Christ be magnified as long as the stream doesn't take too long. Christ be magnified. Am I, am I stepping on some shoes? I can't. I got new contacts today, so I can't hardly see. Sometimes they get blurry for a minute. So I don't, even if you all left, I wouldn't even know it. Okay, so let's keep going. It needs to show in how we treat one another, how we talk to one another, how we act toward one another, especially at home. Why is it that we give our typically, now typically, why is it that we typically give everybody else our best, our best manners, our best politeness, and then when we get home, we get comfortable? Am I the only guy, am I the only person that does that? You get home, you get comfortable. That's a code word we use when we just let, we maybe answer a little too harshly, maybe get a little impatient. We're just comfortable. Y'all are sinners, I'm just comfortable. How many, how many, how many, how, come on, let's be honest with one another. I, I think we all, at one point or another, have experienced that in our lives. It shouldn't be. Or once we snag that guy, once we snag that girl, we just kind of put our life on coast and we stop pursuing one another. These are things. So first things first, we have to start, this is the big deal right here. This is the big deal right here. In verse 30, it says that we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bone. We know that Eve was taken out of Adam's side. In fact, this was a direct pulling right out of Genesis chapter 2. Let me read it for you. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, John Hagee always said that when Adam awoke from his slumber and saw Eve beautifully created in her birthday suit from the creator, he's like, whoa, man. Now, that was a John Hagee joke. Don't get mad at me if you didn't like it. This is what he says. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I think Paul starting this whole thing to let us understand that, listen, we're part of something bigger. When we submit one to another, when we submit to our husbands, our wives, and we, when, we, when we submit to one another in the context of just relationship, we have to understand that we are part of the body of Christ. We have to get, that has to be the first things first. The second thing is this. Or let me read, before I read up, I'll tell you the second thing. Let me tell you this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When you become married, in the eyes of God, God sees you as that, as one flesh. Let's talk about that just for a moment. Weddings are so beautiful. Weddings are, are, are just, I mean, they just, even if you're not an emotional person, they tend to make you emotional, especially if they're real sappy. You know what I'm talking about? You know, they're like those real sappy weddings, and it's okay. 
Maybe you didn't realize you had one, but I'm just going to let you know everybody else. Our wedding was about three and a half hours, man. We just, our wedding was out. We had people coming in from out of town singing. My dad preached. I kid you not. My dad gave an altar call. Two people got saved. We had, we had 17 bridesmaids. We, my wife had way too many friends. <laughs> so, I, so I had to scrape up guys and our wedding party looked like something out of Downton Abbey or something. I mean, that, that was just the way that it was. And, and we loved every minute of it. And I think, you should, I think your wedding, if, if, if this should be. I, I remember doing a wedding a couple summers ago, my first wedding to officiate. This young couple, they were just like, oh, we don't want to make a deal. I said, no, stop, right? This is your day. If, if, if you have the means and the ability, you make this thing all about you and your wife. This is because after you have a family and have kids, it ain't about you for 20 more years. But I, I, I encourage them, have that. Let, that. let that be your day. But when they become one, typically we have a ceremony that it's a, maybe the lighting of the union candle or the sand or the sculpture. I mean, we're getting all kind of really cool uh, creative ways to connect uh, for a visual and that sort of thing. You know, the sand can't be separated we did the unity candle. That was what was cool when we, when we, you know, we have the two candles. And you know what I'm talking about. You have the two single. You light the one in the middle. Then you blow your, your uh, individual ones out. And that now signifies a unified flame. You can't separate it. You can't, you can't separate it without destroying the unity. Well, when we come together, that's the way God designed it. When we come together as one, we are that. We are one. And so if we start right there to understand that my wife is not just the old lady or just the female. No, she is my, my better half. She, is, she completes me and I complete her because in the eyes of God, we are one. That's the foundation of this whole love, respect. Let's stop all that for a minute. That causes way too many fights. It doesn't need to. Let us be united in one. Let us be united in Christ. So... If you're like me, you like to have some, you know, you go to Ikea and you see all these big, beautiful things that are made and then you get it and it's in 3,000 components that you have to put together. So you, after you find first things first, typically what's next on the page? Picture of some tools, right? It'll say tools you need, a little screwdriver, a little drill. And there's always a tool that you need that's not on that paper. It's just the way that it is. These engineers are just villains, man. So I'm going to give you some practical tips. I'm going to blow through these real quick if you're writing notes. I'll try to go as slow as I can, but I don't, I don't want to uh, take a ton of time. But these are some practical tips because I don't know about you, but I appreciate practical how-tos. I grew up in church and in the generation that we got told a lot of what we should do, but no one ever said how you do it. So I want to give you some practical tips. Ready? Jesus said right here, this, is, this passage is repeated many times in Scripture. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Can I give you a tip right now? The two leave their father and their mother to become one flesh. Beware of teams or side-taking within your family and your marriage. Your marriage, that spouse, is a number one in your life right now. Now, I understand not everybody in the sound of my voice is married. I, I get that. And, and, and I don't want this to turn into anyone feeling like, oh, talking about husbands and wives, I'm not married it applies to all of us because there's wisdom in this passage that maybe you can put in your back pocket for when that time comes. Or maybe the Lord has you hear something tonight that is said for a friend or family member. So please, please, uh, we're going to try to get into the children's portion as well. But I really want to get into this tonight. Your marriage is your number one relationship in your life. Besides your relationship with Jesus Christ, your marriage should be right there. If it's not, work on that. Not you and your mom versus him and her. 
I learned, listen, my wife and I just celebrated 22 years. And I know there's many people here that have been married longer than that. But I'm just throwing this out there for, this is what the Lord gave me to share. But let me tell you, I've seen this destroy marriages, uh, working in ministry for all these years. It can't be you and mom versus him. Or you and dad versus her. Or you and your favorite child versus him. Or you and your favorite child versus her. Because that's easy to do, especially when you're looking for allies. Especially when you get into a big fight with your wife. You need somebody that has your side. My mama used to say, I was a powder when I was a kid. I was the youngest, and I was a brat, and I got my way. Actually, I wasn't a brat. I was just spoiled for my mom. So my mom, she had two answers when I had a pity party. She'd say, now, son, ain't nobody coming to your pity party. Quit sending out invitations. That was her way to tell me, pull in that lower lip. Now, if she was in a good, generous mood, she'd say, son, what kind of ice cream you want at your pity party? And my dad would say, Murray, let that boy alone. He needs to grow up. But that was just a couple weeks ago. (laughs) But it wasn't, in case you're wondering. But you need an ally. And so tempting it can be to run to, if if you and mom was tight, it's so tempting for you to run back to mom. If you and dad were tight, so if you and your girlfriends were tight, listen, they don't need to know what you and your husband are dealing with. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. I'm looking right up there at that chandelier, so I'm not looking at nobody. And I don't do the marriage counseling here, so this, if the Lord's speaking to you, it's, it's truly him and not me. Listen, it is you and her or him. Now, can you all give me, I'm a man married to a woman, so if I use the word her a lot, please understand it can go both ways. How many give me that grace so I don't have to keep repeating myself? It's you and her and Jesus, that's it. That has to be it. If that's not it, you got, a, there's, you, got a hit, you got a hitch right there. You got a problem right there. You got a place where the devil is coming into your marriage because you don't have the proper doorways sealed. One of the things we did in this building that you're sitting in right now is we wanted to repurpose the children's area. It had way too many entrances and exits. We could not have a security team keep it contained. So we, sh- we literally drywalled over several doors. You have to do that in your life, in your marriage. Be, be honest with yourself and look at your marriage. Say, okay, is, if this, is, this, is this God's best for me? What, what are some areas that maybe some critters are getting in? What's that Ecclesiastes says? The small foxes are what spoils the vine. You know what I'm saying? So let me keep going. Number two, practical tips. Practical tips. Your relationship with your spouse will affect every relationship in your life, whether you realize it or not. There's a book by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy. Uh, he's got one for leadership. He's got one for uh, just general, gener- generically speaking, emotionally healthy. He talks about this. It is vital that you lead out of a healthy marriage. He asks his staff regularly, and when he onboards someone, this is one of the first questions he asks, how emotionally healthy are you and how emotionally healthy is your marriage? I don't care how many words a minute you can type. I don't care how good you can sing, how good you can preach, how good you can. How's your marriage? How healthy is it? And how emotionally healthy are you? This book has been revolutionary for the last several years. It's been, it's been such a godsend to so many people. I've read it twice, gone through it. It's a powerful book. You got scripture for that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Yes, I do. Write this down. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. Talking about the wives. With understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as to being heirs together of the grace of life, being joined together, that your prayers may not be hindered. 
I found the hard way that sometimes my prayers aren't being listened to because I'm not getting along with my wife. I've, mm, I've learned that the hard way so many times. Go to the Lord. Lord, that just ain't fair. She's this, she's that. He's saying, wait a second. You need to go back and make things right. This is, this is a scripture right here. Let's keep going. Right, let's just keep going. Number three, you have to intentionally invest in this. This should be done without involving the kids. You've got family time, and you have husband and wife marriage time. Now, I get it. We had four kids. They were all close in age. You get to a certain point in life, and that's very difficult. You can't go away for the weekend. You, you know, you're working two or three jobs to make. I, I, I understand that lane of life. I get that. Just do what you can do. <clears throat> if it's sending the kids to bed early, you and your wife watching a movie, whatever the case is, let me encourage you to do that. This should be done without the kids because one day those kids are going to move out. And so many times when that happens, you have two strangers living in the same house because we invested all that we have into our kids, all that we are, and we've neglected our spouse. We can't, we can't let that happen. We, now listen, he says that you have to care for them. In verse 31, he says, just like the flesh Listen, we care for our bodies by diet, by exercise, by rest. So we should do the same thing for our spouse in the context of our marriage. The next thing he says, number four, is washing by the water of the word. This simply just talks about keeping it Christ-centered. Keeping it Christ-centered. Keeping it Christ-centered. And that's more than, I mean, we, our mind may go to, okay, we're going to do a devotion book together as a couple. That's, that's great. But that's not all-encompassing of what this, this verse is saying. That also means to speak to one another in a Christ-centered way. It means to submit to one another. Because in verse 21, before he even talks about wives, he says, submit to one another. Submit to one another. Love, grace, mercy, patience, long-suffering. That sort of thing. Let me give you a couple of recommendations, book recommendations. I always like to recommend books. There's a couple, maybe you've heard of these, maybe you haven't. First one I, I strongly recommend, top of my list, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Now, there's several additions to this book. There is even one for parents to do with their children. The Five Love Languages. If you're familiar with it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman, powerful man of God. I've, I've heard him being interviewed, went through this book. Basically, uh, the Lord gave him some insight that we basically have five love languages as human beings. We love each other. We express love. We receive love differently uh, in five different ways. Now, there's five categories, but like anything else, it's a little bit of all of it. But there's primary, prim- primary ones there. Can I encourage you that if maybe you took it when you first got married 10, 15 years ago, take it again. My wife and I took it many years ago, and then we took it again a couple years ago and found out some things have changed. That's just the way human nature is. Sometimes we change. The second one is called The Love Dare by the Kendrick Brothers. The Kendrick Brothers are the ones that did Facing the Giants, The War Room, these, these, these faith-based movies. They also have one called The Love Dare. Now, this one is a little more interactive. Um, it, it's, it's, there's a couple different versions. First, it was a 40-day, and then I, last time I looked, it was like a whole year. It's turned into a devotional series that a husband and wife can do. But this is a bit of a love dare that can, um, if you, especially if you, you've seen the movie that this came from, the one that Kirk Cameron starred in was uh, talking about a dysfunctional marriage and how they were blaming each other. And then they finally, uh, the Lord intervened and showed them that they both had things to do. And, and that's what came out of this book. And then the third one that's probably a fun book that we went, my wife and I, many, many, many years ago called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. 
That's the title of the book. And it's written by Bill and Pam Farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L. Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti by Bill and Pam Farrell. Now, in Ephesians 5.33, let's go there. Because I think this one verse sums up everything else that we're talking about tonight. When you're looking at reading instructions to put something together, first thing is you look for is where to start, right? First thing, start here. Second thing, what kind of tools am I going to need? We gave you some practical tips. The third thing is, especially some of those thicker manuals have many different languages, don't they? They'll have English, they'll have Espanol, they'll have Dutch, they'll have Portuguese, they'll have Germany. I mean, I've seen, seen manuals super thick to only find out there's only two pages worth of instructions, but they have 15 different languages. Now, I may act like I speak other languages. I speak Speedy Gonzalez from Looney Tunes. I, I, yes, I do. I tell my kids all the time, andale, andale. You know, and they say, Dad, it's not even a word. We're in Spanish at school. I was like, listen, don't be hating on my childhood. Come on. I just can't read it. I can't make any sense out of it. You ever, you ever have like a TV get stuck on like Dutch or something that you can't understand? I was at a U-Scan one time and someone put it in Spanish. And I'm standing there. It was uh, trying to check out and I was just guessing and look, no, wrong, wrong. Push all these buttons and alarms. It, it, it can be fun. Um, but the good news is the Lord gave us a language. Let's look in verse 5. Or chapter 5, verse 33. Now, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I have these words circled. I have circled love, wife. And then I circled respects, husband. You don't have to do that. But I did that in my Bible. In pencil, I don't use pen or highlighter. I only use pencil. And I only use it if it's super impactful because I'm just OCD with my Bible. But I circled those words, and I drew little connector lines to them. Love, wife, respect, husband. There's a whole lot in here that I just don't have time to unpack. But how many know that sometimes as men and women, we can speak different languages? We have fun with it. I just saw a YouTube video. Someone did a commercial called The, the Manslater, The Translator. And the wife <laughs> looks real aggravated. He wants to go golfing for the third time in the week. And the wife looks aggravated and says, sure, honey, if that's what you really want to do. And he's like, okay. And then he goes out. And the next thing you know, his suitcase is on the front porch. So they rewind it. So it's like an infomercial. They rewind it. And the scene reenacts. But before he, he allows her to answer, he holds out The Manslater. And she says that, and on the screen it says, do not leave me again, dummy, or something like that. And, you know, sometimes we don't pick up subtle cues, do we? But that is so true. Let me just give you a little bit of an insight that the Lord showed me a few years ago on this passage um, that I thought was very powerful. I want to share that with you tonight. So observing some observing boys and observing girls, you can see this probably more so in men and women because it's so unfiltered. But if you look at boys and, and being in the Royal Ranger ministry, having three boys of my own, being from a family of three boys, I mean, we were always just a, a testosterone-driven family. And even with our family now, we, we, have, we have one girl. Um, she can hold her own, by the way. I'll just tell you that right now. But we got three boys. But growing up in the boys, this is kind of the conversations. Watch how fast I can run. Look how far I can throw. Look how much I can lift. Usually, usually, I know it's 80-20 when you're always talking about genders, but there's, there's the majority. With girls, this is what you see. Look at my dress. Aren't I pretty? Doesn't my perfume smell nice? Or 
just love me, just hold me, just need me. No, those, those aren't necessarily, I'm not trying to stereotype anybody. I'm just saying when you observe, we're, we typically speak different languages. And so sometimes we're speaking with respectfulness to our wife because that's how we speak to our coworkers at work. And then we wonder why our wife doesn't feel like she's loved. And the same can be true the other way around where we're speaking to our husband with, with, with what we think is love and and sometimes he just is feeling disrespectful and dishonored, and, and we're, we're kind of communicating in two different realms. When this passage right here tells us how to do it, how to connect. My wife often tells me that when I've, when I've crossed that line, as she said, you didn't marry one of your buddies, if I'm being too rough or doing some ter- certain things or she's feeling this way. It's an art to be able to communicate that way that just doesn't happen on its own. You have to Allow space for each other to communicate. How are you, if you're not feeling love, then show me why. If you're not feeling respected, then show me why. We typically, it's easy for us to do that in the, the work and, and in places that we go. We're esteemed, we have our office, we have our role, we have our this, we have our that. Can I just tell you something, wives? If you want, your, if you want the man in your life to just be the man in your life, to be a go-getter, to be a conqueror, to be... There is nothing that motivates a man more than affirmation of his wife. Can I just say that? When a husband feels that his wife believes in him and supports him and has his back, there ain't nothing he can't do. At least he thinks. And can I tell you, brothers, in the words of my wise father who wasn't so filtered in his day. Brothers, if you don't want your wife to be a nag, quit treating her like one. That was my dad. Which the other side of that coin is so true. If we're not holding that woman to be the prize of our life, are we supporting her in the love that she needs? Are we speaking, that's why I referenced the book a minute ago, the love languages, because we may be speaking to them one way, but their love language, they they feel love, they sense being loved a different way. It's our job to find that out. It's our job to find that out so that we can speak to one another with love and respect. And so the last part part of this thing here is what is my role? So now we'll get into the first two verses for the last like five minutes that we're here. Because after we kind of lay the foundation to understand that we are united in the body of Christ, first and foremost. We are submitted to one another in the body of Christ, first and foremost. We have to make sure that we are treating one another with love and treating one another with respect. Not that we think with our mind to be as intentional to what we think and what we want to hear. Take time to understand what they want to hear, what their feelings are, what their observations are. So that we can speak their language is so powerful. The last part is, what is my role? So he does talk about wives. And as, as I said earlier, we'll get back to this whole submission thing. Because a lot of people get hung up on this. And a lot of people misuse it, unfortunately. As I said earlier, there's no Greek word for that. So Paul needed to illustrate what he meant. So he illustrated Christ and his church. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord literally means this. To place under rank. As you honor Christ, getting back to verse 33, he literally means to respect. To respect is what that means. Respect her husband. You honor your husband as the leader of the household and as the leader, as what he just said just here, 
as Christ is the head of the church. Can I tell you this? With as much love I have and for, for, for all of us, it speaks more to the relational approach rather than some obedience factor. It has nothing, it, it is not so much the obedience factor as it is the relationship approach, the condition of the heart that we are submitted to. And nobody's gonna tell me what to do. That's what I'm talking about. We, we get that hardness around. Maybe we've been hurt. We've all been hurt. Maybe you've been betrayed. We've all been betrayed. Maybe you've been just like sucker punched by somebody. We, we've all had that experience. We can't let that harden our heart because it will. Maybe your spouse has done that to you. Listen, God can heal that. God can heal that. So it's not as much the obedience factor, it's the relationship approach. When I am submitted one to another, because verse 21, before he talks about any husband and wife, says submit one to another in Christ. When we first think of Jesus, typically our first thought is my Lord and my Savior. But when we think of our spouse, sometimes as a bit of an eye roll. That's an indicator that we've got something out of balance. If you want to do a further study on this, let me encourage you to write 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter gives his dissertation on the family. It's very similar to this. Uh, he goes in a little bit more depth, but read 1 Peter chapter 3. Husbands, when he talks all in our eight verses of what to do, when he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that word there does come from the Greek, agapio. We all know that's the unconditional love of God. We know that. But can I, can I give you out of the, an illustration from the wise words from my wise wife when we've done some counseling and things. When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, da, 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 da. We all know that famous scripture. Maybe it's on our fridge or a plaque or a picture at home. Husbands, can I encourage you, as far as the context of your wife, put your name in place of love. Steve is kind, Steve is long-suffering, Steve is, how far on that list can you go? That's a good place to start. That's the love that Jesus is saying you need to have for your wife. I gave my life for the church and for you. Are you doing that for your wife? If we were honest with ourselves, if we were honest with ourselves then we would understand we got some work to do. I know I've got some work to do. The Bible says in James that the Bible is like a mirror. When you look at these scriptures, it's like, whoa. Like, I can walk around all day with something all over my face. I don't have a clue. And I'm all cool. Like, yeah, man. You know, I have no idea. So I walk into a mirror, or if my wife's nearby. <laughs> you walk into a mirror, it's like, whoa, how long has that been there? Sometimes the word of God can be like that. Like, we think everything's honky-dory. Things might not be working, but we have no idea why. And we want to blame everybody else, blame our circumstance, blame our upbringing, blame whatever. Then the Lord shows us passages like this, and we go, oh, I got something on my face. I'm just going to keep reading, keep reading here. In verse 28 and 29, he says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but they care and they nurture it, so we should do the same for our wives. Now, the hands on my body, they may work in submission with what my brain is telling them, but it's a cooperative fellowship. <laughs> I nurture my, you know, my hands or my body or whatever, do the best I can to take care of my temple because I love it. So is the same when it comes to our husband and wife in this context. It's not about pointing fingers and demanding results. And it's, I understand what the question I've been asked before is how do you, how do you respect someone who is not respectable? I, I understand that. I understand that's there. How do you submit to one another who, uh, for me, one of my things, 
is I tend, tend to, like, attitude is, like, my thing. I don't know what it is, but it's hard for me. Like, when I get attitude, <laughs> I just want to give it right back. How many people I got? No, you don't have to raise your hand. But I know for some of us, that's a, that's a big deal. Other people can just be sweet and passive. And if, if that's, it takes a lot of Holy Spirit for me to, because that is something that is, that I have to work on my own. So my tendency could be, how do I respect them when they're not respectable? How do I love them when they're not lovable? That's not, you're missing the issue. It's not about them being worthy. It's about us doing our part of what the Lord has required of us. Much like when, in Romans, when he says, you need to pray for those leaders, whether you voted for them or not, whether you, you encourage what they do or not, you have to honor that office and pray for that person. It's a good place to start here because I get it. Some of us have some families that it's not easy to love them, to, to, uh, to respect them, to whatever. I, I get that. Fathers, we're also told how to treat our children. Now, we, we've got literally two minutes, so I probably don't have to get into this. But this is powerful. So he says, do not provoke them to wrath, but raise them in the training and admonition of the Lord. This word provoked is only used two times in the entire New Testament. Here and one other time actually was a reference to Deuteronomy. It's never, this word is hardly ever used. It's made up of two words that means this, walk beside, closeness, and to become angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. The connotation is this, being so close to someone, you know how to push their buttons. God used this word when he was talking about the children of Israel and he said, I'm going to provoke you to, je- uh, to, to me because I'm jealous because you've left me. So many times when we're training up our children, we know what pushes our buttons and they will know what pushes our buttons. But we have to make sure that we're not treating them like a little sibling, but we're treating them as a child that God has entrusted for us to raise them. The second thing is uh, to train them in the admonition of the Lord. We, we kind of know what that speaks to, but I, I looked up that word. It literally means this, to properly instruct someone so they reach their full development. I thought that was so powerful. That word means to properly instruct someone so that they reach their full development. That's training. And admonition is very similar, but it means a properly setting the mind through God-inspired warning, improving a person's reasoning so that they can reach God's solution. That's literally what that word means. By going through his thought process. His thought process. So let's stand tonight. And we're out of time. If you want to look more about raising kids, and Pastor Eddie may pick up there and, and continue it, let me just encourage you to, to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, there's, some, there's a powerful passage there. Because I know our, our children, man, the temptation can be there, especially if they get older, they, like, God's, some person said that was God's revenge on mankind was teenagers, how we create someone in our own existence that just grows up, defy us, and deny our existence, and don't do what we say. That's what we typically do to God. But raising our children, that, that's what it means to have a spirit-filled family where God is in there. Amen?
So let's go ahead and uh, close in prayer, and then we're going to be dismissed because the, the classes are wrapping up. Father, we just come before you, and Lord, we just thank you for your word tonight. Father, we thank you for this powerful passage, Lord, to, uh, to give us hope, to give us encouragement, Lord, that we can have a healthy marriage, we can have a healthy family, even if maybe our parents' relationships didn't work, and sometimes we may carry that within us. Lord, help us to understand that you are with us, and that you, or maybe we've been through a bad relationship, and we're afraid it may happen again, and, and a current one, whatever the case may be. Father, we thank you for this passage, that this passage gives us hope that we can have a family that glorifies you. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that for for every family represented here tonight, Lord, that you would work in every family, including my own. Start with me, Lord. Let let our families have love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Let our love, our our, our relationships have have, um, just proper balance in all that we say and all that we do. And we give you thanks, Lord God. And we ask that you be with us, Lord, as we go home and go to work, go to school, wherever we're going. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you receive some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.